Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 29th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold looks to be on track for its second straight monthly gain as we roll into the last trading day in May. Back on May 1st, Gold was trading at 1701 an ounce. And this morning, as I begin recording this podcast, we're at 1746. And the yellow metal appears to be trending upward as the trading day opens. We hit a high this month of 1754, and the low is 1690. That was earlier in the month, although we actually dipped below 1700 earlier this week. Silver had an even better May. The white metal is up 19.9% on the month as of this morning. And the silver-gold ratio has dropped below 98. So silver is finally starting to close that historically high gap. Back in March, the ratio was 120 to 1. Silver had never been that cheap compared to gold, ever. And we have data going back 5,000 years. But even now, at 98 to 1, silver is still effectively on sale. It's way underpriced compared to gold in historic terms. So just some food for thought. The upward momentum for both gold and silver this morning seems to be primarily safe haven demand due to deteriorating relations between the U.S. and China. Yesterday, China's parliament approved a national security law for Hong Kong. Really, in effect, Hong Kong is in the process of losing its autonomy completely. President Trump is scheduled to hold a press conference later today on potential sanctions on Chinese officials. There's even some fear that Hong Kong could lose its favored economic status. And so I guess that means the phase two trade deal is probably off. Remember that? Remember how the stock market got this big boost when we got the phase one trade deal? But it was all predicated on a phase two deal. That was supposed to be the real deal. I wonder when that's going to get priced out of the market, right? Now, earlier this week, gold sold off pretty sharply, and that was due to optimism about the economy reopening and continued hope that we will get a coronavirus vaccine sooner rather than later. As one analyst put it, gold remains wedged between potentially positive economic developments that have been dragging prices lower and a rise in geopolitical tensions with China over Hong Kong. Now, when it comes to the economy, there really is a lot of optimism out there. In fact, just look at the stock market. The Dow was off yesterday. It was down about 147 points. But we had back-to-back 500-point gains this week. The Dow is now back over 25,000. The other day, I saw a post on Facebook, and, and the guy was almost giddy. He wrote, I was told the stock market was going to come crashing down any moment now. Back over 25,000 with only three small states in America fully reopened. This economy will come roaring back when, if full, reopening happens. You know, people should know better. People should know better than this. Look, first, the stock market isn't the economy, right? The economy is not going to come roaring back just because the stock market is going up. In fact, the market has completely disconnected from any kind of economic reality. If we were really going to look at the economic situation, gold should be trading a hell of a lot higher and the overall stock market should be in the gutter. I realize that I've been beating this dead horse for weeks, but I'm going to hit the poor thing some more. 
Listen carefully to what I'm saying. The economy isn't going to just come roaring back to greatness. It's insane to think so, given the depth of damage to the economy caused by the shutdowns and the absolutely massive monetary expansion we've seen over the last two months. I mean, while my buddy is cheerleading the stock market and his great gains in the coming boom, another 2.1 million Americans filed for unemployment this week. The 10-week total is 40 million people. Now, I'll grant you there is some glimmer of hope in the labor market. Continuing claims, which tally America's ongoing benefits uh, in state programs, those fell to $21.1 million for the week ended May 16th. Those data points are reported with a one-week lag. But this indicates that, yes, some people are going back to work. And, of course, that makes sense, given that virtually every state has opened up to some degree. Even so, as things are opening up, we still had another 2.1 million people file jobless claims for the first time. If the economy is opening, why are people getting laid off now? Why are 2 million people losing their jobs now? I'll tell you why. Because a lot of businesses that were on life support are dying. Business owners are coming to terms with the reality of the future and they're trying to cut costs. And then there's this. A survey conducted by financial services company Aslo found that nearly half of small business owners think they will eventually have to close their businesses for good. 47% of small business owners surveyed said that they anticipate shutting down, and 41% said they are looking for full-time work elsewhere. Now, granted, surveys like this are somewhat anecdotal, but even if only half of those businesses eventually go belly up, that's a huge bite out of the economy. It's absurd to think things are going to come roaring back when nearly half of small business owners say they might have to shut down. You know, small businesses employ 58.9 million Americans. That makes up 47.5% of the country's total employee workforce. And the outlook for big corporations, that isn't a whole lot better. You know, over the last couple of years, corporate debt blew through the roof. Now, mind you, this is before COVID-19. It was getting so bad that the Fed issued warnings about the increasing levels of corporate indebtedness late last year. Its report said, quote, borrowing by businesses is historically high relative to gross domestic product, with most rapid increase in debt concentrated among the riskiest firm amid weak credit standards. At the time, the Fed said in an economic downturn, widespread downgrades of bonds to speculative-grade ratings could lead investors to sell the downgraded bonds rapidly, increasing market illiquidity and downward price pressure in a segment of the corporate bond market known already to exhibit relatively low liquidity. So this is a technical way of saying the air could come out of the corporate bond bubble very quickly. Again, this was pre-pandemic. The government shutdowns in response to COVID-19 have only exacerbated the problem. Now, we haven't seen a meltdown in the bond market yet because the Fed is propping it up. The central bank is literally buying corporate debt right now. Never happened before. And the central bank is encouraging companies to take on even more debt. You know, that's basically the only tool in the Fed's toolbox, print money and incentivize borrowing. 
and companies have obliged. As Bloomberg recently reported, many of the companies hardest hit by coronavirus outbreak have priced billions of dollars of bonds and loans in recent weeks. Quote, never mind that profits have been wiped out and that their business operations aren't viable right now or likely anytime soon. As long as they're propped up by the Fed, investors are willing to lend. Analysts say net corporate debt issuance could approach as much as $1 trillion in this year alone. And according to Bloomberg, creditors are also waiving or loosening financial markers on existing debt. That means it's allowing companies to kick payments on current debt down the road. This raises the specter of defaults and bankruptcies in the future on a massive scale. Basically, what we've got here is the march of the zombie companies. A zombie company is a company whose operating profits can't cover even the interest payments on its debts, much less repay the principal. According to the Bank of International Settlements, the number of zombie companies was already above pre-2008 crisis levels in the spring of 2018. So we were already set for a huge problem in the corporate bond market, huge levels of corporate debt. And when these zombie companies start going under, it will mean even more lost jobs. According to a CNBC report based on data for, from Arbor Research, zombie companies control more than 2 million jobs. I mean, maybe it's just me, but this all seems less than ideal. And of course, I've been talking for weeks about the extraordinary Fed monetary policy, which I have to remind you started before the pandemic. The Fed balance sheet ballooned to $7.1 trillion this week, and the national debt is spiraling up faster than the SpaceX rocket, which of course is still sitting on the launch pad because we've hit monsoon season here in Florida. But get this, just 20 days after reaching $25 trillion, the U.S. national debt is more than halfway to $26 trillion. You know, nobody is talking about how the Fed is going to unwind this insane monetary policy. And I will remind you, they couldn't even unwind the merely crazy monetary policy they engaged in during the 2008 crisis. How in the hell are they ever going to unwind this insanity? And is Uncle Sam ever going to be able to pay off this debt? I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? Even if you believe that all of this money printing and borrowing and government spending are keeping the economy going, that it's necessary that the Fed is doing what it has to do. You can't print money forever. You can't borrow money forever. Anybody saying there are no consequences to all of this should know better. Here's the ugly truth. The economy was a Fed-induced bubble before the pandemic. The central bank has managed to reinflate the stock market bubble despite the economic destruction. But it is nothing but a Fed-induced sugar high. I've got some homework for you this week. Make sure you listen to Peter's May 27th podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes page. If you don't want to listen to the whole thing, I summarize it. But he goes back and he looks at where the stock market was in 2018 and through 2019. And by looking at the past, he makes it really clear just how big a bubble the stock market really is. As I said earlier, the markets have completely disconnected from economic reality. Stocks should be a lot lower and silver and gold should be a lot higher. You know, the big worry is about a second wave of coronavirus. Well, I think people really need to be worried about a second wave of economic 
chaos, and that's even without more coronavirus. If you've listened to this show for long, you know I'm not big on making predictions, especially when it comes to timing things. Too many variables. But I'm going to make one. I think it's pretty obvious we will see some economic rebound as we move into the second half of this year. I mean, we have to as governments lift restrictions and the economy opens up. And everybody's going to get all giddy and people will start saying, I told you so, Michael. But at some point in the not too distant future, the reality will have to catch up. The Fed will start trying to ease off the money printing. The government will talk about winding down the stimulus. And that's when the real shit storm will happen. How long the Fed can keep the air in the bubble? I don't know. But it's going to come out. I've used this analogy before, and I think it's really good. The economy is like a bike tire with a hole in it. And the Fed has a pump hooked up, and it is pumping that thing for all it's worth, keeping that air in that tire. But as soon as the Fed stops pumping, the tire will go completely flat because it's not doing anything to fix the hole in the tire. So you need to be ready for that. A shift gold precious metal specialist can help you. Give them a call at 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. They can tell you how precious metals can help protect your uh, portfolio, hedge against inflation, help preserve your wealth in the chaos that I think is almost certainly around the corner. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes or on Stitcher or on Google Play. You can also subscribe to the Shift Gold YouTube channel and you'll find the podcast there as well. Links to all of this stuff are on the show notes page. Before I go, I want to give a quick shout out to my daughter, Sinead Meharry. It's her 23rd birthday today. Happy birthday, Sinead. I love you. Hope you enjoyed the show and I will talk to you all next time.